Hey, I'm Steve Post, the Postman with MRN and Wing Nation. You're listening to the Midwest Auto Sports Podcast. Now for our Gassert's Project Hot Seat segment. Wisconsin-based Gassert's Project is a nonprofit organization working to strengthen and grow grassroots racing. Since 2017, the project has produced several short films and articles in addition to financially assisting racers and tracks through awards and sponsorships. To donate or learn more, visit GassertsProject.com. All right, everybody, it's the Gastroids Project Hot Seat segment here today, and we're very, very happy to welcome into the studio via Zoom call uh, for our first Zoom interview, which is kind of interesting. Usually we've had a, a lot of phone calls and stuff, but Zoom is interesting to work with. Uh, but uh, Steve Post, Postman, is here in the studio uh, via Zoom call. Like I said, uh, Steve, how are we doing today? I'm fantastic. It's amazing. Um, a year or 13 months ago, I don't know that any of us knew what Zoom is, and now we're all doing it whenever we need to communicate with everybody. It's crazy. It really is. We were just talking the other day about how Zoom's stock has just, you know, it has to have gone through the roof because nobody knew what it was, like you said. Um, But yeah, we're very happy to have you in here. But uh, first off, we got to get out of the way. Have you recovered yet from the Martinsville hot dog stand being closed? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a major issue we have. Yeah. Um, the Martinsville hot dog is an iconic food item. Is it a great food item? I'm not sure, but it is an iconic food item. And so, you know, and, and, and some people really pride themselves in huge quantities of Martinsville hot dogs. I've never been one of those guys. I'm I'm two a day, maybe three a day, maybe one a day, but I, but I enjoy it. I love going up there. Well, so every year we go up there and I have a couple and we always get on social media and what's your hot dog count? And it's usually <laughs> five or six or whatever it is. With the changes with the uh, protocols, with the pandemic, um, teams and those of us in the sport are responsible for our own food. And so we stop and grab a bite to eat. I'll grab some stuff at a grocery store before the weekend and everything else because the concessions because and because of that because the teams and the crew members and media and those of us inside the racetrack have to supply our own food the infield concession stand is not open and it's the saddest sight in the world because the hot dog stand is usually lined with crew members in every Mm -hmm. color uniform if you want to talk to anybody in nascar spend an hour or two at the hot dog stand and you will see everybody (laughs) at martinsville so it's closed and the protocols um, are that I, I am not allowed, everyone has their own bubble, sure. and my bubble is the infield, so I'm not allowed to go to the grandstands where they have hot dogs. Uh, and so we had friends that were trying to, to do a clandestine meeting. <laughs> I had one guy that felt he could sling some across the racetrack to me during the running of the race <laughs> and all of this. Um, uh, I opted not to buck the protocols, and hopefully, fingers crossed, in November, I will get my first retaste of Martinsville hot dogs. It'll be two years at that point, so I'll be good and ready by then. Hopefully. That's that's all of our hopes, I think. Uh, yeah. But I think Will's got the next question here. Yeah, uh, Steve, you're involved in so many types of uh, motorsports, uh, legend cars, NASCAR, short track, dirt, but you always say uh, on Nation that sprint cars is your, talking sprint cars on Wing Nation is your favorite time of the week. I just want to kind of, kind of wanted to know why that is. 
I just, um, I love um, loud, fast, exciting race cars and the men and women who drive, work on and produce those cars. So I, I've kind of stated that, that my favorite car on dirt is the wing sprint car. Um, and my favorite car on asphalt is the asphalt, mod- the NASCAR yeah. style tour type modifier. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love, I just love the noise. I love the sound. I love the excitement. And with that noise and sound of excitement comes a bunch of crazy people that field those cars. And yeah. so consequently, yeah. I think, I, I think that's where my talk and sprint car racing, my favorite time of the week. I just love the sprint car world. I just, I, I love the people. I, there, there's nothing about it. I look so forward and, and, and really it's across the board, whether it's a three or five weekend here in the Carolinas with mm-hmm. my buddies or whether it's the Knoxville Nationals or a, or a 410 show in Wisconsin or Pennsylvania, or I'm actually going to see the All-Stars later this week in Virginia. Um, I just love the, the I, I think the, the, the noise, the sound, the speed, but uh, more important than that is the people involved with the sound, the noise, and the speed. And I just, uh, I, I love sprint car racing. I really do. There's definitely a lot of interesting characters involved in sprint car racing. I will give you that. Uh, <laughs> so we talked about we talked about this on Twitter a few weeks ago, um, how the next generation of racing is, we're leaving it in good hands, basically. Um, and it's unbelievably strong, obviously, with the Keith Coots Motorsports Program. You've got Buddy Kofoid, Kaylee Bryson, Geo Selzy's with TRD, and then Away from that, Ryan Timms, Brent Cruz, all these guys coming up. Locally, we have guys like Jack Vanderboom, Tyler Tischendorf in our 360 ranks here. Um, and then not just drivers, people like Haley Shanley, Chase Roudman, and then locally we have Madeline Schultz, Chatty Maddie. So all of these younger people coming up, um, being super, super involved uh, with racing. How confident are you that grassroots racing and all its levels are being left in good hands? I just, I just feel so good about that. And it's a lot of those people that you mentioned, um, you know, I, I actually, it's funny. I got to meet Chatty Maddie, uh, last year up in, uh, up in Wisconsin and I love her. She's fantastic. And she just brings such an energy and a passion. And, and I think that's what it is. I mean, whether you're talking about Chase Rodden or Haley or anyone on the media side, um, we need people to tell the stories with passion. And I love that because when you then flip it to the drivers and, the, and those involved in the sport, um, you, we get to tell the stories of all of these great people. And, and, and you mentioned so many of them there, uh, whether it's on the NASCAR side or the sprint car side, local side, midget side. I mean, it's 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 just amazing. Um, we have a we have a kid that just signed with uh, with uh, Keith Coons to run some micro races, Gavin Bochelle, oh, yeah. who yeah. runs uh, here at Millbridge. And, and, and I think that's the thing. And, and, and I look at this and I think that that's the key to it. And, and we were talking, I forget what it was this past weekend, um, or someone out, we were out at Millbridge last week. And here in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, we have quarter midgets and those then who race. And there's a little track in Salisbury, which is just northeast of Charlotte. And you, you can graduate from there. You can go to Millbridge where you run the box stock classes, the the, the karting classes, mm-hmm. or if you wish, you could go to Charlotte Motor Speedway and run the Bandoleros and Legends cars. And so right. you roll into that, and then by the time you're mid-teen, the way some of the rules with some of the late model tours and sprint car tours are, you can get into a more full-size car. So I think there's a lot of proving ground there. I think there's a lot of opportunity for young people to race where – historically you, you talk to an old guy that races he started racing when he got his driver's license 
You know, yeah. I mean, it's a crazy world now where if you didn't start racing until you got your driver's license, you'd be way behind the curve. So I think all of that depth, um, all of that time that everyone has just opens the door for so many people. And then it's a matter of navigating the system. It's an expensive sport yeah. to participate in. It's expensive sport to drive. Then it's a matter of, you know, maybe you have someone in your family that can can supply you to get you to a certain stage. Maybe you make a connection with a manufacturer. Uh, the the master of this is, is a guy that's now retired from NASCAR racing. Jimmy Johnson came from nothing. He came mm-hmm. from a trailer in Southern California. His, his parents lived in a trailer park. He worked the relationship with Chevrolet to a T. I mean, we talk about Toyota and their great program. We talk about Ford and the development program they have with guys like Chase Briscoe and Austin Cindric. Right. But Jimmy Johnson was the king of this before anyone had a program. <laughs> I mean, he 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 did ASA or he did Chevrolet into the off-road trucks, took it to ASA, took it to Xfinity or Bush Series at the time, took it to NASCAR, and then took it to the Hall of Fame. So I think it's it's however you do it, it's those relationships and um I love that we're talking about this today because yesterday at Martinsville, we had another avenue for a driver to navigate, and that's Josh Berry. Yep. Um, Josh is a 30-year-old from uh, Tennessee, and he actually got the attention of Dale Earnhardt Jr. on iRacing. And he was a local racer up there, but he got the attention of Dale Jr. on iRacing, and they became buddies and started cutting up, and then he ended up being able to get into Junior's late model. He went off the rails last year with an incredible season in late model stock racing, winning the NASCAR National Tour. And Junior says, here's your reward. Here's your reward. 12 races in the Xfinity Series with Junior Motorsports. We're halfway through that, six races in. He had a seventh-place finish in Las Vegas, but yesterday he got the win. So I think that there's so many avenues to navigate uh, I, I wrote something on my um, on my um, LinkedIn yesterday that that um, that uh, there, there's I forget what I wrote that uh, success is not guaranteed or few few opportunities are guaranteed and in racing it's even fewer but there's there are ways to navigate the system and even up until yesterday with Josh Berry we've seen people pick their way through the system whether it's that or whether it's the world of outlaws if you're looking for sprint cars yeah. or go through Keith Coons midget program. Uh, there's a lot of avenues for a lot of these young racers that started racing at an early age to, to, to get there. So how big do you think it is that, you know, I've, you just talked about Gavin Bochelle, and that's funny because we were just talking about Dryden the other day and how Dryden, companies like Dryden and NOS Energy Drink and all these these bigger manufacturers that have the money to put these guys through the system, and Toyota, obviously, how big do you think it is that these companies are investing in these really, really young people and really setting them up for success in the future. Well, that, that's a, that's another of the avenues. That's mm-hmm. a, that you know, as, as I said, the sport is expensive, and 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 if you're a, if you're a young kid, and, and we have them, young kids who come from rich families, and I'm not begrudging them because if I was a rich dad, my kids would have everything they wanted too. I mean, I'm not that's <laughs> that's human nature. Um, but but you know, partnerships and. Why should Dry Dean or NOS Energy Drink sponsor a 14-year-old kid? Well, because that 14-year-old kid has a following on social media, has a mm-hmm. huge Twitter presence, huge Instagram presence. And, wow, we can get the Dry Dean name. Dry Dean is a great brand in that they were around forever. All of us old people know Dry Dean <laughs> because it was around forever and ever, and it was in every garage back in the day. 
driving the brand went away and now Dave Klinger and everyone wants to relaunch the branch or they're relaunching the branch. Well, who better to relaunch it with than kids and young people like Logan Shuhart and Jacob mm-hmm. Allen and Gavin Bochelle and, and, and their, their late model teams with uh, Chris Smokey Madden and, and who better to do that with? Because in 20 years, they want to go back to everybody knows dry Dean right. because it's been around now forever even though we had this lapse in time. So I think it's a great study. And I think these kids with the exposure they can get are, are a benefit. And then, so the funding comes in from driving from NOS, from Toyota, from Ford, from whomever, and that allows the next step and the next opportunity. Um, I have, I have a friend, I have a friend that comes from a fairly wealthy background and he believes he can get his son to a certain point, but he's already working the sponsorship deal yep. and he's got the hooks into a company that he says, if this thing works out, he could possibly get my kid into the truck series, hmm. knowing the budgets of all of that. So uh, there, there's always an avenue, um, but it's a lot of work to get there. And there's no guarantee that it's going to work out, but but occasionally it does. <laughs> yes, it does. All right. I, I had a, a quick question here, too. Um, we've, kind of, we've been talking about the driver development programs and in, in NASCAR and stuff, but I kind of wanted to get your thoughts, Steve, on uh, the TRE program and funneling through uh, Keith Kins Motorsports in the in the dirt, and then Toyota's uh, this year their debut in 410 racing. I just want to get your thoughts on why a lot of their talent is now coming from the the dirt side of things as opposed to the asphalt, because that's kind of where they end up in NASCAR with Joe Gibbs and stuff like that. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on why they're starting in the dirt first. Yeah, I just think in listening to a lot of drivers talk, the car control that dirt racing gives you as a as a young racer, and whether that's the young racer 25 years ago that was 16 or 17, or whether that's the young racer now who's 7, 8, 10, 12 years old, mm-hmm. I think the car control is something that's very appealing to, um, I, I think the car control you get on dirt racing is even beneficial to asphalt racing, where I don't think... The, I, I don't think the inverse is the case. You don't you don't get that uh, car stepping out. For you. When the car steps out on you on asphalt, you you're, you you may be clipping. Um, when the car steps out on your dirt, that's kind of the feel you have, and you can kind of get to that edge. So I think there's a there's a strong appeal to that, and the uh, the 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 seat of the pants feel that you get on dirt track racing, and uh, and you go from there. Uh, I was talking to. Um, to, to, to Kevin Harvick, uh, he has some interest. He's keeping an eye on Brett Cruz is another young driver that, 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 that we mentioned here. Um, you know, Kevin, Kevin said dirt track experience to him is going to be more and more important. And, and look, we just had a dirt race in NASCAR for Pete's sake with a cup series last week. So I think that, um, I think that, that they saw it from the car, car control perspective, but I think, uh, as it's evolved and, and I think, there's maybe more of those grassroots, smaller opportunities. I, I think, well, I think asphalt racing is big in Wisconsin. And I think asphalt racing is big here in the Southeast. I think there's other parts of the countries, maybe the Midwest, uh, you know, the, the, the Pennsylvania, Ohio area, where it's not nearly as strong. It's good in New England as well. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe there's a wider range of options with the dirt track. So that's why you see folks like Toyota get involved with with the Keith Coons and, and and coming into the 410 ranks and climbing that ladder. And when you when you look at Toyota, 
Um, if Toyota has a problem right now is they've got too many people in yeah. the pipeline trying to get to where they're going to, and that's a challenge. We saw it. Eric Jones ended up on the outside looking in when you when you reach the pinnacle level of the Cup Series. Eric Jones is on the outside. When, when you look at where we're at with, with Joe Gibbs Racing, I mean, you've got Ty Gibbs there uh, in the Toyota program. You've got uh, Corey Heim, who is just an absolutely great racer. I, 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 he's one of my favorite kids to talk to. I'm sitting here going, I wonder where he could end up because yeah. it's musical chairs and there's so many seats are filled. And so I think I, I think the development programs coming from the, from the dirt ranks, like we saw with Christopher Bell and, and, and Kyle Larson as they came up through and, and doing their various programs, I think they're, they're beneficial to everybody. Um, but then ultimately you've got to funnel it down and funnel it down and funnel it down. And uh, that's where it's going to be challenging for uh, for some of these people. I just, I, I look at a Corey Heim and Drew Dollar. I have a brain fade there. Drew Dollar is another young racer that's sitting there in the ARCA series. And it's like, I love your talent. I love who you are. I love chatting with you. I talk to you after ARCA races. But boy, I tell you what, something's got to change. But 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 things change. We we saw this a couple of years ago, taking this to NASCAR. Matt Benedetto, where's he going to yeah. go? He's out of luck. Christopher Bell's going to take his ride to Levine Family Racing. Nobody saw Paul Menard retiring. Paul Menard retires. Matt gets another opportunity. So mm-hmm. it works its way out. But, boy, it's just different. And it, it's got to be a test of patience for these young racers as they climb this ladder. Well, and it obviously works, too, because I mean, we just had Kaylee Bryson in her first ever late model race win uh, last week. And then, obviously, Gio Selzy's had success with ARCA or the KNN series. I forget which one it is. Um, and then, obviously, Buddy Colfoy's even dabbling in there. And we've seen Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson go on. And now both of them are cup winners. Um, so that's definitely really interesting to look at. Will, I think uh, you've got the next question. Yeah, Steve, uh, you, you mentioned that asphalt racing is big in Wisconsin, too. And I kind of wanted to bridge the gap between uh, <laughs> the NASCAR and some Wisconsin dirt racing here. Uh, well, NASCAR, uh, we're excited over here because they're, they're coming to Road America for the first time since a long time, 1956, and that same weekend, um, they're going to kick off the weekend with a sprint car race at Plymouth Dirt Track right down the road. Uh, it's a $5,000 to win IRA show with additional promotion coming from Road America itself. Uh, how awesome do you think that combo is, and will you be in attendance? If I can make the travel work out, we're in a weird spot with travel in that uh, it's more group travel and we go in later than we usually do and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. If I can possibly do that, and I haven't got to that schedule yet, uh, I am, uh, I'm planning on it because I love the dirt track there at Plymouth. Um, I think it was there two, two years ago. It's on MSA show. Um, and it's just some great, great racing up there in Wisconsin. And I love that combination of Road America partnering with the local dirt tracks i think that that is good and i I don't know that's something we would have seen five ten years ago i think there was a divide there but i think drivers like kyle larson and christopher bell and and now more acceptance on the asphalt side with dirt with bristol going to dirt i think it's neat Uh, and 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 so that's exciting to see and i can't wait and if, if I'm in town, I will be there. We actually stay in Sheboygan, so the Plymouth Dirt Track is uh, is, is really close by. I'll, I'll hijack a car if I need to get out there and, <laughs> and see that. Those partnerships are interesting. We had one similar to that a couple of years ago. Um, Kansas Speedway partnered with Knoxville, mm. and they did a combo ticket package for Kansas and the Knoxville Raceway, a cup weekend, cup Xfinity double 
and the Knoxville Nationals. Um, Kendra Jacobs, who's a friend of mine that runs Knoxville Raceway, she had Aaron Everham out uh, to a brewery there in Knoxville during Nationals weekend. They had a private hospitality event for the fans that had tickets to both, that bought hmm. this ticket package that they had, and they had the brewery closed down, and they had Aaron and I out there because we have NASCAR experience and sprint car passion and experience, and so they had us out there. It blew my mind away. There was probably 60 or 70 people there. And to the ones that I sat down and they had us, we did a little dog and pony show talk, but then they had us just mix and mingle and jump from table to table and talk to people. Everybody there had been to one or the other. I don't think we ran into anybody that had been to both. And that is exciting. That is very exciting because... There, there is a gap there between the two, and there's a friendly rivalry, sometimes even maybe not so friendly rivalry between the two. <laughs> and I love the fact that Road America and everyone there is working with the Plymouth Dirt Track to, to, to hype this up and to, to do that. So, because here's the thing I, I can promise you, I am, I am maybe most excited, all the NASCAR changes they made this year, I am possibly most excited about Road America. I yeah. love Road America. The, I, we were two laps into the first Xfinity race I covered there, and I'm like, Cup needs to come here, period. Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand four miles and parade laps and everything else. Th that doesn't matter. This is great. Fans are great. Everything is great. So I love that, and I also love the, uh, the sprint car scene in Wisconsin, the IRA up there, the MSA. And so here's what I love about this. If NASCAR fans decide to go try their first sprint car race, they're going to see something really, really good because Plymouth Dirt Track and that sprint car race will be awesome. Conversely, if a sprint car fan decides, hey, I'm going to go try that NASCAR stuff, I'm going to go to Road America, they are going to see something really, really good. And to me, those partnerships, those plans between Road America and, and, and the Dirt Track there at Plymouth, to me, that is so exciting to hear about. I actually had not heard about it until you mentioned it. I'm excited about that. That, to me, is just really, really good news. Yeah, and there's there's some talk that uh, some of the NASCAR guys are going to come and run sprint cars, too. I mean, obviously, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell are sort of expected at this point. Um, and then, you know, there's guys like Chase Briscoe and Chase Elliott that might be popping into a ride there. So, you know, who knows who's going to show up. But that ties us perfectly into the next question. So if somebody's on the fence about going to their first sprint car race, you know, whether it's a weekly 360 show here in Wisconsin or the Knoxville Nationals, you know, if if somebody's in a in a pickle about, you know, maybe I should go, maybe I shouldn't. What would be your words to them that would convince them to go? Be ready if you go once, because you'll not just go one time. So in other words, <laughs> I, I guess my words would be clear the schedule. Um, because once you go, you're going to get hooked. Um, that would be my warning. Um, no, I would say, you know, um, pick, and, you know pick and choose your battles. You know, pick a, pick a good night to go. I, I love that more and more and more we're seeing efficiently run shows. The, the one mm -hmm. thing that bothered me about dirt track racing is you get someone new out at the dirt track, 7.30 start time, and we're not rolling sprint cars off to 12.15. And I don't <laughs> care who you are. You can be the most passionate sprint car fan in the world. That's too long. And yeah. so I think we're at the stage now where the sprint car world has got these shows down so that two and a half, three hours, maybe three and a half hours even on a, on a nice night, you're, you're, you're there. Um, I, what I, what I would say is go, get ready to enjoy, 
watch the people, pick a favorite car. Maybe even if you're with a bunch of people, each pick a car and bet amongst them. And the biggest <laughs> thing I would say is make sure you don't leave right at the end of the race, go down in the pit area and yep. meet the drivers. Because once you make that connection and see these sprint car guys are just like you and I, they've got grease under their nails. They are, you know, shoot sprint car guys run for IRA. They may work in the in the same building you do or the same plant or or, or, or run a business in your town. Um, you'll get that connection. And that's why I would warn you to make sure you clear your schedule, because once you go to one of them, you're probably going to go to more. Uh, that's that's how good sprint car racing is right now. Well, and, you know, we just you talked about the drivers being personable this this past weekend. I was fortunate enough to go to Kokomo and, and Tri-State. And I just I realized that, you know, I've been covering the outlaws and stuff like that for a couple of years now. And that Kokomo was only my second ever World of Outlaws race. And I'd never gone into the pits afterwards or anything. I just showed up one night, watched it, and went home. But I went into the pits afterwards, and Jacob Allen had a terrible night. Like, I don't know. He said it was some problems with the car, but he was terrible. And he still took 20 minutes out of his time to sit down and have a talk. So it's it's unbelievable how personable those guys are. And Sheldon Hodenshield, too. We, we brought a guy um, who – it was his first sprint car race ever – first dirt track race ever was the world of outlaws at Kokomo, which is, that's a big, uh, that's a big chunk of the pie to chew off on your first one. But, uh, he sat down and had like a 15 minute conversation with Sheldon and Sheldon was not happy. I mean, Sheldon was really angry at Ian Madsen about something. I don't remember what it was, but <laughs> it was just funny to see them have a conversation. You know, somebody who's never gone to a sprint car race and then this superstar that is Sheldon Hodenshield. So I think you're spot on there. And I think Will has the next uh, question here. Yeah. Your kind of answer to that last one kind of made me, uh, kind of made me want to ask what, if you had to grade sprint car racing as a whole on the state of the sport, what would that grade be and why? I I just, and and, and I know I'm partial. I love sprint car racing. I think right now we're at a plus. I am telling you, I just, I don't know. Uh, the depth of competition, the cast of characters we have, I, I think it, it's an exciting time in the sport. We all understand the depth of the world of outlaws right now is just simply insane. Um, there are eight or nine or maybe 10 drivers that it's not even a shock when they win. Okay. And the reason that number is changing because I think James McFadden has added his name to that list that we, we, we had maybe a month ago. Now James McFadden has added his name to that list. Um, I think the depth there is good, but I think really what has me so excited about sprint car racing is the trickle down effect. Okay. One of the world of outlaw drivers is Aaron Reitzel. Okay. So Aaron Reitzel moves to the world of outlaws. He's won the uh, all-star championship the last couple of years. Everybody on the planet thinks they can now win the all-star championship <laughs> and the all-stars are loaded. Yep. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, Corey Eliasson is kind of the defender of all things all-star. But when you look, you mentioned Ian Madsen in the McGee car, uh, Sunshine, Tyler Courtney oh. is just going to be incredible. Uh, who saw uh, Justin Peck, um, you know, Tom Book's car worries that you've got uh, Pennsylvania guys like Brett Marks who believes he's going to be an all-star champion this year, and Lucas Wolf. And so when you look at that funnel, that channel, the all-star channel, that is great. Look up where you're at, okay? Yep. It's been the Bill Baylog series with IRA. Mm-hmm. Well, Bill Baylog, he's another one of those guys that jumps over to the all-stars. So 
everybody with the IRA is just like, we are going to win the championship. Scotty Thiel, he's been out doing all kinds of racing around, and, and he's going to win some IRA races this year. And when you look even deeper into the field, I, I, I think there's going to be a couple guys that will step up in the, the, the cast of characters that normally runs up front and challenges Baylog, but then who in that mid-pack is going to move up into that next tier and be a two-, three-, four-time winner this year. So there's an opening at the top of IRA, and I think that's really, really exciting. When you look at the Lucas Oil ASCS National Tour, that's been the Sam Haperty yeah. Jr. Series. Mm -hmm. Every year we interview Sam. Yeah, I'm going to do more 410 racing. We get halfway through the year, and here's <laughs> Sam with a 360 and just wearing them out with ASCS. <laughs> Sam sold his 360 stuff. I talked to him down in Screven. He is all in for 410 racing. You've got every 360 racer that wants to run the regional tours, wants to run the national tour. So you have this all building whether it's 410s, then down to the 360s. The IMCA 305 racing across the country is so good with the race fever program. is just amazing. Pennsylvania, I think they had 56 cars at one of the 305 races at Port Royal last year. We're in North Carolina. We are late model country. We had a, a uh, sprint car show with 33 305 sprint cars two weeks wow. ago in Fayetteville. Now, the, the, the thing of it is, is that, there, there were probably 40% of them were out-of-town cars, but when you start doing the headcount, we've got 20 to 25 305 sprint cars here in the Carolinas. So I think to great sprint car racing, you look at the level at the top is A+, plus, maybe as good as it's ever been. Mm -hmm. But I think when you look at the grassroots and the roots down into the short track world, I'm not sure we've ever been much stronger in the short track world. Guys, I'm telling you, the state that has been the most clobbered by COVID is California. And it's just been, they've not been open. The world of all laws have canceled anything. We talked to Dominic Selzy on Wing Nation, and he has never felt more positive about racing. The 360 racing in California is insane. The King of the West 410 series remains solid. And they actually have a track, Peter Murphy's Keller Auto Speedway, is adding four or five non-sanctioned 410 races just to bolster the racing opportunities for everybody. So from the top of the mountain to the to the to the grassroots of sprint car racing, the great IMCA 305 racing, uh, the great uh, you know the 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 other 305s that are not IMCA mm -hmm. 358s in Pennsylvania, 360s that MSA tour up in Wisconsin is phenomenal. The great racing. I just think across the board we're strong everywhere. Yeah. I just got a notification from Zoom and says we have 10 minutes left, but uh, it's perfect because we're on to the last question. Um, call me maybe. Just uh, give me your thoughts on on that. Uh, we, we did some research a little while ago. My wonderful fiance, actually, she found this uh, Legends video uh, on YouTube of, I think, well, Sean Rahal was in there for one, so we had to give him a lot of crap about that. Uh, I think... Uh, but I, I would have to say that Garrett Smithley is probably the star of that video. Um, and then you popped in right at the end. Uh, <laughs> what was that video all about? And can you explain why that happened? <laughs> that video, um, I'll tell you what that video is about and I'll share with you. And I've never shared this to anybody other than just friends, uh, an after story of that. Um, the Charlotte Motor Speedway does a great job with PR interns. And they went through a phase where one of the challenges of PR interns was create a video for social media with the summer shootout drivers. And so that was the year that Call Me Maybe was the hot song. And so 
and, and I would suggest everyone go to YouTube and watch it because it's great. And and then as you and like, like someone like me who knows all of these kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. That is so him. That is so him. So um, so the the kids all did the fun video, and they had a really really good time doing the video. And they and, and you're right, Garrett Smithley was good. It was fantastic. I mean, they were all really really good. Garrett was a, a former. Uh, he actually did high school musicals and stuff, so his acting skills came into play there. <laughs> but that was a project that the interns did, and so and then toward the end of the year, they would play it on the big screen, and it would be their final project. And really great experience. Talking about kids and young experience, this is a great social media campaign that the interns at Charlotte Motor Speedway got to do. Okay, so we go through this, and I'm the old guy trying to understand all these kids. And so they said, just act like you don't know what they're talking about. So at the end of the video, call me, maybe, call me, maybe, call me, maybe, you know, and that's how the video ends. And I think they, I think the interns did a great job with it. Okay. Here's the, now here's where this thing takes a twist that I never saw happening and I've never had it happen before. I'm sitting there. We're done. Yeah. There is, I'm in the tower, I'm probably 50 feet above the grandstands, I'm enclosed, I can't leave the grandstands. I'm looking down in the crowd, and there's this rather attractive woman <laughs> waving at me. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, she puts her hand up to her ear, like, call me maybe? And I'm like, huh, what? And the next thing you know, she signals with numbers her phone number. <laughs> And I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh. I jot down the number. Okay, I'm like, huh? What is going on here? Sent her a text. We actually did dinner. We found out we were not compatible. She's wonderful, wonderful woman. Great, great time. But it was just like, call me maybe. I, I love that. I love that video. I, I like the way the interns did it and uh, that little twist at the end. And I don't think I've ever shared that on a podcast with anybody uh, about uh, the, the the lady with the call me maybe uh, picking up the announcer at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But uh, give her credit. More power. It was fun. Good stuff. There's hope for us announcers still. That's good. There That's is good. hope for us announcers. We don't wear Nomax, but there's hope for us announcers. Yes. That's good to hear. Well, thank you for the time, Steve. Uh, we can't appreciate this enough. And uh Hopefully we'll see you at the NASCAR weekend. Well, we'll see you there at, at NASCAR. Hopefully you get to go to the sprint car race, and uh, hopefully we see you at a bunch of other races this year as well. Fingers crossed. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Steve. Thank